straight wins for OU softball. 30 consecutive shutout innings for OU pitchers. Jordy Ball was legit last night. Yeah, that was uh, that was Alyssa Brito's two-run home run, but Jordy Ball didn't even need that. She could have won the game one nothing last night. She was fantastic on the Bayou. Uh, OU wins, number one OU, top 15 matchup. They win it over LSU 3 nothing. So that means OU has three pitchers in the top four of ERA in the Big 12. Nicole Mays, number one, 0.43 ERA. Alex Storacco is number two, 0.74 ERA. Jordy Ball is three, 1.30 ERA. So on the 10 scale, Travis, 10 being the hottest take of them all, how hot is my take that I think this might be the best pitching staff that college softball, not OU softball, that college softball has ever seen? As it sits today, where does that sit on the uh, hot take scale, 10 being the highest? Ten being the hottest. Uh, I would say it's hmm, – I, I would honestly put it at about a four because you've got to consider, again, the context, uh, you know, the historical context of it. This is this is a sport right now that is – that it's power. I mean, you, we talked about it, you know, in the first hour about UCLA and OU, right? It's like you hit for power now. You hit for average. I mean – 380. 380 is what the Sooners are hitting, right? So um, when, when you start thinking about that, I think it's harder than ever to have that that super low ERA, and the Sooners are having no trouble with it. So I, I think, especially now that Jordy's healthy, man, I, I, I don't think it's honestly that hot. I'd probably put it at about a four. Gunny is saying it's a 2.5 on the uh, on the 10 scale for a hot take. 405 says, man, that's hot with about seven W's in there. Yeah, text line, tell us how hot of a take that is. I just, like, they've played, they've had eight games against SEC teams this year, and I don't know if the SEC is top to bottom the best conference this year. It, it might be. I don't know if they have an elite team, but... Some will argue that it is the best conference in all of college softball. Well, if it is, OU is 8-0 and this year against SEC teams, 73-5. to 73-5 to is the combined score in those games. OU, of course, is 8-0. Travis, they played eight games against SEC teams, and they've only given up five runs. They have more wins than runs given up against arguably, arguably the best conference. So... I, regardless of how hot of the take it is, like even right now, and we're not to the postseason, I feel like there's a lot of numbers that I could throw out to back up my claim that this is the best one, two, three that college softball has ever seen. Mostly because I don't know, like we haven't seen very many one, two, threes before in this sport. It's normally like a uh, you have an ace pitcher and you kind of ride that throughout the postseason. Maybe you have a one, two, but very rarely have we seen three high level aces like OU softball has this year. No, I agree. Uh, I agree completely. And it's, it's again, it's it's all about health, as it is in all sports. And when Jordy, if Jordy were to have spent the entire year healthy, oh, man, I, I think our – She'd be sub-1 ERA. You have three pitchers that have a sub-1 ERA. Right, and, our, and our, our team ERA is .91 right now. I would have to think of – like, if we get last night's Jordy – the entire year, I think you're at like, you might be testing UCLA's, uh, you know, three-year run record where it's at like a point, point five, point six maybe. I know that sounds ridiculous, Tyler, but I don't think it is. I truly don't. 
Yeah, they're, they're just they're just on a roll right now. 70 home runs this season. Alyssa Brito has one last night. It was like the fourth largest crowd in LSU softball history. Patty wanted a, a crazy, a loud environment. They got all of that, and they still figured out a way to win the game. Well, uh, they, celebrated, they celebrated LSU Women's National Championship did, there, made yeah. it a big event, and all this, that, and the other. And, and Tyler, I know you, you played the Alyssa Brito um, home run audio, but man, my favorite play of the game was her, you know, stabbing that down the third baseline. That they were so fired up after that to get out of that. I guess you could call it a jam, um, but to get out of that, the game was over right after that. I mean, that was that was big time emotion from them, and what a play by her down that third baseline. Uh, from the 405, Ricketts Gascoigne was pretty dang good. Uh, Michelle had a zero ERA and couldn't get in the circle because of Kalani. Yeah, they won a national championship that year when those two were in the circle. Pretty good. Oklahoma yeah. and Coach Gasso are the show. Teams and fan bases are in all. You see it when OU makes it out. Gasso and her team are rock stars of the college softball world. The pitching staff is incredible. I say good luck to opponents. Try what you will. These ladies can handle whatever is thrown at them. You know, it's, you know, we talk so much about how is football going to translate to the SEC, basketball, baseball, all these sports. And <laughs> if this year is any indication, I, I really don't worry all that much about how OU softball is going to translate to the SEC. Yes, the schedule will be tougher, but I feel like OU craves as tough of a schedule as possible. I know their will head coach it, does. I mean, will it be tougher than the schedule we've had this year? Because I get the, I get that your conference games might be, but I mean the schedule that 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 Patty has, and I know Patty will be appreciative that she doesn't have to try and go play different, you know, invitationals and classics and all these different tournaments from coast to coast. I know they want to keep doing that, obviously, because of recruiting and kind of building that brand and everything like that. But at the same time, Patty has struggled with getting quality opponents on the schedule. Not this year. I mean, when you look at the teams that have been ranked on our schedule, I mean, there's a ton of them. There's 14 of them, right? I mean, yep. that's and we're 14 and 0 against them. So when you look, it's it's the schedule will get better, but I'm not sure it'll get much better than this year. Yeah, I mean, your schedule's tough so far because you're going to Baton Rouge on a Tuesday night. You're going right. to Starkville for a series. You're playing Kentucky and Auburn in a tournament in Oklahoma City. So, to your point, yeah, no, I know it's 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 a good one. Is your schedule's been tough up to this point? I mean, you've played Florida State and UCLA, but your schedule looks tough because well, you played eight games against SEC teams. That's why now those are going to be conference games, and you won't have to schedule as tough at a conference, but. Patty just loves the competition so much. She wants to put her team in difficult spots that maybe she'll just continue to schedule crazy non-conference schedules, even with the tough SEC. It wouldn't surprise me, and it won't shock me if they're still able to handle it. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest, because she's going to continue to ratchet up the intensity, the difficulty on her on her teams because. At a certain point, Tyler, say, say, and I don't want to count the chickens before they hatch, but say they win the title this year, and then say, again, I'm, 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 this is not a prediction. This is a hypothetical. Say they win the next year. Say they win four straight. She is going to be begging, clawing, scratching for some type of 
motivation, some type of, you know, something to fight the complacency of, hey, look, you guys are the best in the sport. That's why she wanted the crowd to be as raucous as possible. That's why she didn't want a home crowd. She wants people to make it more difficult on her team to really test them because they aren't tested so much throughout the year. So I think when you when you go out to the SEC, that's going to be another thing. Is like, how can we continue to put these girls into different, unfamiliar situations? Yeah. Uh, Jay in Tulsa says that take is a 4.20 on the hot take scale. Uh, <laughs> this one for the 405, I got a trio for you. Hope, Jordy, and Nicole May. Yeah, look, that trio even last year was really good, but Nicole May just kind of seems like a different pitcher than she was a year ago. Like, Nicole May was, was good last year, but she wasn't leading the Big 12 in ERA with a 0.43. I, I mean, she's just – she's a different level, um, and, and I think that that's why this trio might be might be the best we've ever seen. OU might end up with the top three pitchers ERA-wise in the Big 12 this year. And all of them get innings, Travis. It's not like, yeah. you know, one or two get to face bad teams, but, you know, the ace of your staff faces the better teams. Like – I, I think for the most part, they all face pretty equal talent um, all the way around. Like, Jordy got the start last night, but there's been plenty of times where Starocco's got the start against a really good team in the mid, in the midweek. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it all because going into the season, Tyler, to your point, we would have all said probably Jordy Ball is kind of the ace of the staff, right? Like, if we were to do just a Twitter poll and say who's the ace, well, Starocco gets – the tough assignments, I mean, we, we specifically look to that UCLA game, and she shuts out a, a top three team. I mean, whatever you want to rank them. At the time, they were number one in the country, but I think we all kind of understand who the actual number one team in the country is. At the time, shuts them out. Shutting out that lineup is massive. So at a certain time, you have to say, well, who who's number one? I hope we get into this with the running back room eventually, Tyler, right, is us saying, well, who's running back one? Who's pitcher one? Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're all RB1. They're all the ace. They're all that because they're all that good. Uh, let's see. The latter LSU got fired Jordy up more. She thrives off other fans. Um, yeah, so 6.9 on the hot take scale. At some point, the motivation <laughs> will not being, will be not being the team that uh, doesn't continue the national title streak. It's a good problem to have. Like, if you're trying to find motivation, like, how do you continue to find it? it, it it's, a, it's a good problem to have. It probably means that you've won 29 consecutive games, a lot of those in run-roll fashion, man. I mean, it, nothing's been fluky about this team. It was going to be hard to live up to preseason expectations. It was national championship or bust. That's absolutely still the, the case today. But at least up to this point, like, what they could accomplish from game one to now – I don't know how they haven't lived up to expectations, Travis. And they probably even surpassed them in the circle. No, and, and that's the thing. When you lose somebody like Jocelyn Allo, that's going to – I mean, you're going to expect a drop-off. And, of course, with the specific home run numbers, there was there was a bit of a drop-off initially where the average is still up. But, you know, you're still getting a ton of extra base hits, everything like that. But, Tyler, when you start talking about it like they did on, on ESPN2, right, it was – they're comparing them to the UCLA three-year stretch where they won three national titles. And it's very LeBron-Michael Jordan because at a certain point, LeBron, like once you stop getting compared to your contemporaries, once you stop getting compared to other teams in the country, and instead you're getting compared to the greatest to ever do it, 
then then you know you're on a special run, right? Like they they weren't putting us up against anybody else in the country. They were putting us up from teams from decades ago, and that's how kind of LeBron was, right? It was like once he got past kind of the you know the the Kobe conversation, it 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 became a Jordan versus LeBron. Who is it? And once you're kind of in that top two, then you're really in that rarefied air, and that's where this Oklahoma stretch finds themselves. 405, Jordy is like a caged animal. I love watching her play. One more from the 918. What is college softball teams going to do in the WCWS when OU rotates their pitchers every inning or every other inning? OMG, Mike White's will melt. Right, Um, and that's the thing. With with that, it's we don't need to because, I mean, Jordy threw a shutout with 13 strikeouts and was in complete control the entire time. Like, we don't need the – the, I mean, I guess you could call it a gimmick, but, I mean, it's within the rules and whatnot. So, I mean, we saw it from Florida State. It's, it's obviously something people are going to try against us. I do think that it's a bit like uh, like Fast and the Furious. They might have used their NOS a bit too early. They may have shown Patty and JT and all those coaches what that looks like when you start to give these different looks from different pitchers and, and kind of making a bunch of pitching changes for, for seemingly no reason to try and keep – the lineup from seeing a bunch of the same pitcher over and over, well, it it do, it didn't work. You still lost. Florida State tried it. It didn't work. You still lost. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, Patty is happy that she's seen that so she can try and kind of game plan against that. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma doesn't need to do that because they've got a bunch of aces. <laughs> real, real quick and we'll hit a break. Uh, which would you rather have in the postseason, speaking of Mike White? Not that you would ever outwardly root for Texas. Who's going to do that? But would you rather uh, Texas get to the Women's College World Series only for Mike White to get his medicine again in front of, like, 9,000 OU fans and OU humbles him once again in OKC? Or would you rather him just uh, flame out in, like, a regional and go, like, two and barbecue and disappoint and don't even make it to a super regional? Which one out of the two? I would would take the uh, latter. Any (laughs) – any opportunity for Texas to embarrass themselves in the greatest way possible, which would be to completely flame out under Mike White, because that that's that's the best. I would much rather. Do you think that? Do you think that Texas fans enjoyed us missing the tournament this year in basketball, or would would they have rather had us lose in embarrassing fashion in the Final Four again? I'm pretty sure they like that we missed the tournament. Yeah, probably so. I don't love it, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure they like it. 405-651-3439. We'll hit some college football, OU football, coming up next. Give me locked on the ref. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. Final hour of the rush, Riverwing Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour. Tyler McComish, Travis Davidson. I'm at the Moore Norman Technology Center today, mntc.edu. Check them out online. Moore Norman Technology Center is recognized as the first choice for workforce development and training, committed to providing an outstanding educational experience for every student and client. MNTC places an emphasis on experimental learning and hands-on training, Adult and high school students gain meaningful career and technical skills that in most cases lead to state 
and national certifications and employment. So that's Mork Norman Technology Center. We're here for their signing day events that is happening tonight, which is going to be really, really cool, mntc.edu. Hey, uh, during Locked In today, Travis, I brought up the uh, DG Dylan Gabriel mic'd up video that OU Football tweeted out, and it looked like it was from the scrimmage late last week where sounds like the offense kind of had their way in that scrimmage. And a couple of those plays were uh, Tawi Walker having two touchdowns, one of them a long touchdown run, and another being Gavin Sawchuk. I think he caught a touchdown pass from Dylan Gabriel. Anyway, brought it up just to say, hey, looks, looks like Tawi Walker had a nice scrimmage. Looked like Gavin Sawchuk had a big touchdown. And it kind of goes back to your point about the spring game. You kind of separate, like, who's optimistic and who's pessimist, pessimist about things. Half of the texts that we got were, well, it was god-awful tackling on most of those plays, so I don't really know how much we can take away from the running backs in that. So I, I kind of feel like that's what we're going to get in the spring game a week from Saturday is, you know, regardless of the good that you might see on offense, um, the, the tackling, defense, whatever will be criticized, I'm sure. So it depends on how you want to look at things, I suppose. Yep, yep. It's, uh, it, it, it's tough, and like I said – the best text from earlier said want to see some basically said in a way want to see some intermediate passing routes that's that's what i can say tyler is the 100% like whether you're a pessimist or an optimist or or neutral that's the thing that we can all agree on that would be nice to see yeah you know what's what's funny about that is and and i agree the intermediate passing game is something that i want to see from gabriel on on saturday cuz i think that's kind of like the next progression of his game that needs to happen but in the spring game we get wild takes sometimes on the flash plays whoa look at what Jaden Gibson did on that play oh boy he may be poised for a big season he had a long touchdown but with in the case of Dylan Gabriel like with what we just said are we going to be impressed more with the non-flashy plays which is just what we're talking about, like the 10-yard completion over the middle of the field versus the deep ball that goes for 65 yards. Like We still want to see them hit on deep throws down the field, but it sounds like we want to see like the more non-impressive plays and him just to, like, to make the layups more than anything. Yeah, I mean, you want to see him make the layups, but I, I, think, I think chemistry on deep balls with Andrew Anthony or L.V. Bunkley-Shelton or Nick Anderson or – you know, any of those guys, like, I think because he did have good chemistry with Marvin on those deep balls, especially in that Tech game, my goodness, I think that's important. I think he's going to make want to make sure to develop that. So if Dylan's throwing deep, I'll put it this way, if Dylan's throwing deep, I don't need it to be to Jaleel Farouk. I know he, I know he can throw to him. I want it to be to whoever is going to be kind of carving out that role as our you know, take the top off the defense guy. Andrew Anthony, you want to see those completed to him? Yep. Yep, yep, I do. Yeah, you got a way too early uh, overreaction we're going to have coming out of the spring game. I mean, the backup well, the, quarterback being the best QB is always a good way to go. Yeah, that's the obvious That's the obvious one. But it's tough because, I mean, you brought up Jaden Gibson. Jaden Gibson didn't really see the field last year. Uh, you know, after that, what, 94-yard touchdown reception where he beat Dorian Plumley, who ended up in the transfer portal immediately following the spring game. And the person who completed that pass was Micah Bowens, who I, I hope he finds a home. I'm not sure that he has one right now. I think he's still in the portal. 
But that's the thing. You look at stuff like that. We still had people saying, man, that was Micah probably should have started Texas, like because of that spring game performance. So the spring game performance, it's not just that we're going to be talking about it on the postgame show, Tyler. It's not that we're just going to be talking about it in the summer. We will talk about this upcoming spring game next calendar year whenever the portal opens up and somebody that impresses leaves. And that's what's so interesting about it is these have long-lasting effects. (laughs) Based off of like an hour and a half, two hours of uh, game. But that's just kind of how it is in college football when you don't get to see the – see the team on an everyday basis yeah you know i like kyla murray had he had a really really bad spring game and i was down on him a little bit after that like the weather was terrible that day he was best player in college football the next year so now now he's getting a statue about things now he's getting a a statue at a spring game i know i know yeah (laughs) all-time kyler spring spring games You know, bad oh, spring game. Okay, cool. Well, it's a pretty good spring game whenever they're unveiling a Heisman statue, uh, you know, for you at it. Hopefully it's not as windy as it was that uh, spring game that we saw him as the uh, starting quarterback. Uh, okay, tell me if uh, tell me if you're interested in any, in any of these and tell me how much you are. Uh, 24-7 has college football non-conference games, eight matchups we want to see in the future. Uh, first one listed, they want to see LSU Tulane as a non-conference matchup in the future. Interesting. Any interest? I mean, I I love me some Tulane. Not only uh, obviously us playing them and them play uh, them playing us very closely, but uh, obviously the um, they got relocated to Norman. I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing to move that game. But they also took down USC. So uh, I think all of us have a little bit of Tulane fan in us, uh, whether we even are willing to admit it or not. But I, I'm I willing don't, to admit it. I d- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I said a little bit of uh, uh, Tulane fan. I'm, I'm sure you've got a little more than a little bit. So yep. I don't know. I don't think that would have been on my top eight though like that's kind of i don't know that's kind of random for me like you you better make it happen this year because like look like tulane's doing some nice things do i think tulane is still going to be really good in five years like i i don't i don't know if that's going to be the case so it well, sounds good right to now be a but i'm not that used to be a conference game because tulane was in the sec yeah yeah i just don't know on an every year basis if i really care that much about lsu and tulane i'll probably pass yeah uh, I'll pass on this one as well. The, yes, they used to be old rivals, old SEC rivals. How about Auburn and Georgia Tech? Yes, yeah, see that. I mean, that's not one that would have jumped out to me. Maybe regionally, that's a bigger. That would be a bigger deal. Uh, maybe that's just me showing my ignorance of of kind of the southeast, you know, culture of if that would be a big deal or not. But I don't know. I yeah. I mean. I, I would leave that. I'm out I mean, on I'm, that one. Yeah, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm I'm not really excited about that Auburn. one. Uh, not excited about this one either. How about Penn State and Pitts? Pitts ran across some pretty good years here and there here recently, but Penn State and Pitt, that's kind of out of our region. Um, I'm, I'm good on that one. No, thank you. What about you? Yeah, I'm uh, Yeah, nothing. I'm not, not really tripping my trigger yet. All right, how about this going. one? Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma, a rivalry that we will seemingly soon lose. Can I get you on board with this one? Are you saying, eh, it's ran its course. They made their call on it. We can move on and go play someone else. I don't care. 
no, I uh, no, I'd, I'd sign me back up for it. You want to play it here moving forward? Still, still have it on the schedule? Well, yeah. yeah uh, why not? I don't, yeah, partly I don't, because I know they don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it kind and of I'm petty. Like they don't want it. I'm petty. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Ohio State and Cincinnati. Um, that's another one that would have been cool about two, three years ago, but yeah, I don't know Luke how Fickle good Fickle wanted the team. Ohio State job. <laughs> I don't know how good Cincinnati's going to be this year. We'll see if uh, Scott Satterfield can get him going, but. Yeah, Ohio State's one of those teams. They don't really play a whole lot of in-state teams that often. Yeah, yeah. I don't, again, to your point, some of these would have had some spark at one point or another, but not not full-time. So far, Bedlam is far and away the only one I have any interest in. Not even in. close. Not even close. Here might be the next closest one, Nebraska versus Texas. Nebraska hates okay. the University of Texas. Nebraska okay. hates Texas. I don't really know how Texas feels about Nebraska. Probably not as much hate there, but Nebraska and Texas beat an annual game. I mean, I'd rather it be Nebraska and Oklahoma, but I, I could settle for that. Yeah, that's 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 easily, easily number two on this list if I were ranking them. Absolutely. And now you got Rule there, who obviously was a Baylor for so long. He's probably feeling a certain way about Texas. I bet he knows that he would like to get into Texas with some recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. Last one, Ohio. Or excuse me, OU versus USC. Oh, yeah. Goes without saying Number that uh, you, you you probably need to get this done in about two years, or it's going to be Brent Venables versus Cliff Kingsbury. But uh, <laughs> that would have a chance to be the highest rated college football game that we've seen in in a few years, probably. Oh yeah, I mean it's and that's why I think that if if there's an opportunity where the you know, media partners and bowl partners and whatnot can make that matchup happen and the schools really don't have a say, then they will do it. Whether that be a seeding in a 12-team playoff, whether that be a bowl selection um, where both of them, you know, kind of finish with similar seasons, that that is a game that has to be circled. And uh, it's just dollar signs, man. It is free money. 405 says Auburn and TCU. Uh, I mean, it's it's not as cool as uh, maybe two or three of those others that we listed, but okay. I I, there, I don't really. Is there any history between Auburn and TCU, or do you just think it would be a fun matchup? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I I, I guess I'm just not tracking there. That would uh, if there is something that ties the two to the point where it would be a one that I really want to see. I do like the idea of of kind of. I don't know, put TCU a little bit more to the test, right? I mean, TCU now, they, hey, they're, they've won a playoff game. So let's start to see them consistently play some SEC teams or consistently play, you know, a really good schedule, non-con or something like that to see if uh, they're legit. Yeah, uh, TCU might want the Auburn smoke. I don't know if they're going to want Georgia anytime in the near future. Right. Georgia's calling for a home-and-home. Home. TCU's probably not answering the phone after what we saw in the <laughs> national championship game. Probably declining that call. Right. 405-651-3439. Uh, still some practice notes to get to. Believe OU's out on the practice field again today. We'll start to uh, preview the spring game uh, coming up even more in the next few days, which, by the way, uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., day of the spring game, a week from Saturday, the ref will be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. So come by and see us, 2 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then 4.30 to 6.30, we're going to have a two-hour postgame show as well. So if you're coming in town for the spring game, come see us at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. 
More OU football next right here on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bring you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Non-conference matchups the text line wants to see. Mississippi State and Texas Tech. Uh, nice uh, Mike Leach game right there, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Miami and Notre Dame, Catholics and convicts all over again. And then you have Mississippi State and Washington State, the pirate rivalry. I, that's, that's interesting because there's three schools, uh, three of his former schools mentioned. Do you identify Mike Leach as the Mississippi State head coach, the Washington State head coach, or the Texas Tech head coach the most? Uh, it'll always be Tech for me. I think so, too. Yeah, as, as someone who's followed OU their entire life, it's it's definitely Tech. Right. Like we, we talk about greatest home games around here, like Texas Tech is in top three, and he was the head coach, so exactly. I definitely think it's Tech for me. Yeah, I would say it's Tech, and I, and I think most people nationally would, too, like people that are at least of age to remember him at all of those places. Um, but on some of these matchups, you know, what, what do you think – like when conference realignment happens, are there any current conference? Like we talked about Bedlam, but are there any current conference rivals that you think OU Texas, USC, um, or UCLA would want to keep going, or we think should keep going? So you're saying like, um, for, for for instance, like, are you saying like a new rivalry or like? Or are you talking about like Bedlam, if if it needs to continue or not? Yeah, like like Bedlam or like Texas and I don't know Texas Oklahoma Tech. Texas I think there was TCU, a TCU. I, I think Texas there was Tech. a rumor that Tech and Texas maybe were, was going to continue in the non-conference at least for the first few years, maybe. Um, I like, like yeah. USC and Oregon or something like that. That'd be yeah, fun to well, watch. USC's got to still play Notre Dame, right? That'd be a shame if all of a sudden USC and Notre to. Dame don't play. You'd have and to, especially since Notre Dame feels like a Big Ten school. <laughs> does UC, Does anyone care about UCLA to have a rivalry with them other than USC? Like Cal and Stanford are big rivals there, but I don't know if like UCLA and Washington are rivals or UCLA and Utah or UCLA and Washington. It's – I don't know. UCLA is. I mean, they just got a five-star quarterback, and they had a good season last year. But I, I don't. I don't know if they generate a lot of hate out there, at least on the football front. I think of the four, Texas would probably have the most suitors because of the amount of people that don't like Texas. So you would have probably TCU, Texas Tech. I don't know if Baylor would want to keep one or not. I don't know, but then I really like the Nebraska idea. Um, yeah, the Nebraska that, idea for me for OU, like that's that's. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm I'm ready to just schedule that one and move on. And you're and you're would, playing them again at 29 and 30, but just make it a permanent thing, please. Would those be your top? So would Nebraska be if you had to pick a non-con, like annual home and home? Would it rank Nebraska, then Bedlam? For you, I guess those would probably be the two biggest candidates. I mean, I guess. It, it, it's not even really a 2-3. It's just a 1. Like, I don't know if I would have said Nebraska like two years ago, but after going to Lincoln last year and, you know, them coming to Norman, like, it's it's 
it's a doable drive. Omaha's close if you need to stay there. Like, just the way that their whole town's set up. Like, I put it in November, put it in September. I don't really care. I'd go up there every single time OU plays there. I'm serious, It's, a, it's also – it's also the last time, for a bit of nostalgia, it's the last time you and I felt really good about this football team. <laughs> what? And we felt really good that day after the <laughs> Nebraska game. Oh, boy, we felt good. Um, speaking of Nebraska, uh, th- this was interesting. I read this today. They have, by far and away, even though they haven't been good since 2001, or at least like thought of as a national championship contender, they have by far and away the most – national championships in the Big Ten. Here's the last 50 years. Alabama has 10 titles in the last 50 years. USC has five. Miami has five. OU has four. Nebraska has four. LSU has three. Georgia has three. Clemson has three. Florida has three. Florida State has three. So we've talked about the power in the in the wow. sport really shifting to the southeast over the past 25 years. And by those national championships, that checks out. But really, man, it goes back to the past 50 years where uh, a lot of those championships were from the southeast. Not a whole lot of Big Ten titles to speak from. I found that fascinating. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, I guess from a, you know, if you were having to come up with, okay, who's won this many in the last 50 years, you you would land on that. But, man, that's uh, that's surprising. But, again, we've talked about it. It's continuing to go to the southeast. I mean, the only time that I guess it was in kind of Big Ten country would have been way back when, right? I mean, you're talking like back when Minnesota was a dominant power, the Golden Gophers, if you will. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, what's really the last frontier before it became all southeast? Would it had to have been West Coast when, when kind of, you know, USC was – was reeling them off and Oregon was, you know, with Chip Kelly, like, and, and they had a ton of California talent. I mean, I think that would, that, that would probably be how it went. Like if you had to basically do a map of, of when, you know, areas were dominant, I guess probably a hundred years ago, you know, when Michigan and, and, you know, Minnesota and those teams were winning big and then it kind of went South and West and now it's just all in the Southeast. Yeah. Before the Southeast, to me, it was the Big 12. Um, So, like, the SEC, I think, started to become the best conference around 08, 09. But I think for a pretty long stretch, like 2008 back to maybe even the late 90s, I think the Big 12 was the best conference. So, Well, and I would agree. I would agree that the Big 12 was the best conference. I'm just – I'm considering just if we look at it from a geographical standpoint because you can include Florida State and Miami in – in that southeast region not necessarily just the southeast conference someone said someone tell peyton pierce about the uh the big 10 not winning <laughs> national championships if that's what it comes down to uh ou staff will try to do that to the four-star backer out of the state of texas yeah that was a tough one yesterday it does not completely crater ou's recruiting class far from it he in ESPN's new rankings, I don't think he was even rated as a top 100 player. He's a good player, but this wouldn't be like losing williams Winery or anything like that. No. But it was it was, uh, it was a bit of a, uh, of a tough loss yesterday well, it's a, with the it's OU tough, connections he has. Yeah, it's a tough one because you thought, okay, you've got the linebacker set. You've got BV as kind of the linebacker guru. 
you've got his family ties, but and you just got beat. I mean, I think OU probably, if they had it over again, would maybe, I don't know, maybe use maybe different personnel mixtures when dealing with Peyton Pierce. Uh, but really, he was enamored with James Laurinaitis and playing the Big Ten. And, I mean, OU's still going to try like heck to get that guy back on campus and Hopefully this is a Gentry-Williams-type situation where an assistant coach at a university, um, you know, for him obviously it was Dante Williams that was out at USC. Um, You know, initially, not that Gentry ever committed to USC, but there were some crystal balls. I think he got fonged out there at one point, but the Sooners were too hard to hold off down down the road. But, yeah, it's absolutely a terrible loss uh, based on how – how clear-cut this recruitment seemed to be. But I think OU probably would have done some things differently. They may be doing some things differently going forward. Who knows? But OU's still on some good linebackers. There's no doubt about it. 405-651-3439 is the text line. Coming up next, we'll tell you what the big story in college football is today, and it's out of Austin, Texas. What could it be? We'll tell you next. Keep it locked with the ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Final segment of the day, closing it up from the Moore Norman Technology Center where it's signing day coming up tonight, which is really, really cool. MNTC.edu if you want to check out all of the cool things that Moore Norman Technology Center provides. Their mission is preparing for success, changing lives, and building better tomorrows. Moore Norman Technology Center. Big news of the day in college football. Texas has three players announcing they will enter into the transfer portal. The portal isn't officially open. I, I believe May 1st is when it is officially open again, so they've got to wait a few weeks. But uh, Texas has a few players announced that they'll do so after spring ball, including Brennan Thompson, wide receiver, who was once an OU target. And I don't know, that one might be one that you need to keep an eye on. Um he could have some interest in OU. OU could have some interest in him. Regardless, I would expect OU to pick up, I don't know, not like 8 to 10, but maybe 2 to 3 uh, portal players after spring ball's over. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think um, I would probably lean towards Emmett taking a third wide receiver in this class. Uh, you know, like in, in last year's class, we had the two, and of course the third was rotated. Do we go Micah Tease? Do we go... Uh, Ashton Cozart, um, obviously, uh, it, we ended up just going with two and then grabbing Andrew Anthony. But I think he takes a third wide receiver in this class. I expect Brennan to be a Red Raider. You think he's going to Tech? All right. OU or uh, Tech uh, could be his uh, top two right now. But regardless, if it's, uh, it should be one that you should uh, pay attention to, we'll see what happens with OU in the uh, in the portal after spring ball. But they got two quarterbacks last year. I don't think you're going to get two quarterbacks this year. But could you get a couple of more players? Uh, yeah, that could, oh, yeah. Uh, they could definitely, that could definitely, definitely be the case. Man, we're getting close to the spring game. And OU's really on the last weekend for uh, the spring games coming up. You got a ton of spring games coming up this weekend. I got to think that good, bad, in between, whatever, Arch Manning, like the big story today out of uh, out of uh, college football is in Texas, probably going to be the same case this weekend because of uh, Arch Manning playing his first spring game. Mm, yep, yep, absolutely. And I'm wondering, with Colorado playing theirs, it's, 
are they going to have numbers? Because only like a few people have earned numbers. So like during their spring game, I know it's going to be on ESPN, but like, That's a good what? Point. Like what? Like try I, to I evaluate they, a team. Like forget not seeing them all year long, but trying to evaluate a team with a bunch of newcomers with no jer- uh, jersey numbers. <laughs> right. Like one. I mean, how are they going to? How are they going to do that? What's What's funny is, did you see that uh, pass to uh, Travis Hunter? Uh, where that poor, poor defensive back. Yeah, just... it looked like me. It looked like me trying to cover him. I think it was me, actually. Yeah, there's a uh, – I bet he is very glad that he doesn't have a number on his back right now because we don't know his name. We would have known his name off that video if that kid had a number. But, no, the numberless uh, the numberless Colorado team, which I'm, I'm being, I've am i heard some stories from uh, pretty darn good sources that – Apparently, Dion doesn't spend a lot of time around the team. Apparently, he's uh, he may not be uh, at the workouts, may not be uh, quite around the team at the practices. That just hey, rumors, right? Just what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing. Prime may be just all about Prime. So he is uh, taking the Lane Kiffin mentality about showing up to work every day, or what? <laughs> Lane Kiffin says, "What's wrong with that? You can still win games and not be around all the time." Yeah, interesting. Fascinating. All right, that'll do it for us. Again, thank you to the Moore Norman Technology Center for uh, having me out, mntc.edu. And congratulations to everyone going through National Signing Day tonight. They're going to put on their Moore Norman Technology Center hat to announce their commitment, which is uh, really, really cool, especially since uh, we talk a lot of college football. Yeah, talk a lot of college football and recruiting on this station. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on The Ref. We are the Homeless Cedar fans. Wake up every morning with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby and TJ Perry on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.